Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. Been a couple crazy weeks here with impeachment wrapping up and Iowa caucuses and then the New Hampshire primary. So a lot to talk about. Uh, I really want the focus of this episode to be on the unity theme for 2020. That's really going to be... the meat of this episode, but I do want to spend a few minutes on the impeachment uh, ending of that chapter. And, you know, essentially it went as expected, the the GOP being a cult of cravenous traitors and cowards, um, in, you know, let the, the president off the hook. Again, in a sane society, it would have been 100 to 0. Everybody knows he's a criminal. Everybody knows what he did was an impeachable offense. Uh, But, you know, it essentially went as we uh, expected, and they they let him off the hook. That being said, there were a couple surprises. First, all the Democrats uh, stayed in unity. So, again, in the unity theme, and people with some tough votes, you know, Joe Manchin there in West Virginia, where they love Trump, he voted for uh, the the conviction. Uh, Doug Jones in Alabama, super, super tough race coming up there, and he voted yes. So the easy votes for Manchin and, and Doug Jones, both Democrats, would have been, you know, he did something wrong, but it's not impeachable, and, you know, we should let the election decide it. But they, uh, they stood, stood firm, and so the Democrats were unified, and so that's good parallel uh, theme here for the larger unity theme. But what I want to speak about for a moment is Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney's decision to vote for conviction, which really did surprise me. And I am no fan of Mitt Romney. If you look at his 2012 campaign, it was just full of lies, and, and it was pretty despicable the things he said both about Obama and about the country but that's the past and I'm not forgiving him for that but that was you know eight years ago and here we are he's in a you know obviously he's not threatened with being you know he doesn't have an election coming up and he's pretty solid being a you know a strong Mormon in Utah it's not like he's at risk of losing anything but that being said you know the right wing is coming after him uh, he didn't. He doesn't have a huge amount to gain, although I'll talk about maybe what his logic was. So the point being is, as much as I don't like Mitt Romney, and I've really, you know, it wasn't the most courageous thing in the world because, you know, we have such a low bar here now that, you know, just speaking the truth somehow gets you praise. All that being said, he does deserve some praise. And it was a relatively courageous thing to do because, again, the right wing is going ballistic and he really ruined the kind of the the unity that they had. If all of them 
had voted to you know say that Trump was innocent, it would have been a lot better for the president and the GOP. Mitt Romney is viewed as a relatively serious, sober guy, again, whether deserved or not. And so he ruined that party. And even though it didn't do anything for the ultimate vote totals in terms of actually getting Trump out of office, I think it really did take courage. And in fact, so much so that I called up his senatorial offices to thank him uh, because I do think what he did was really surprising. And so a little more on this, you know, I was saying joking with some friends, if he was a real baller, you know, if he really wanted to go out there, he would go on the Sunday talk shows and say, you know, not only do I think Trump is guilty and should be removed, but I'm going to run for a third party bid for president. And I think this would be so amazing because it would basically guarantee Trump would lose, right? Mitt Romney would go down in history as the guy that made sure Trump was defeated because he would certainly uh, peel off enough Republicans that Trump would have no chance of winning against any Democrat. And so he would either give the election to the Democrats guaranteed or he might even win. I think a, a third party independent Romney win against you know a Bernie Sanders or somebody could actually win. So it would be a real ballsy move to uh, to do. And I think he would go down in history as a savior, whether he won or not. And I think even more importantly, think about the media attention he would get. If Mitt Romney, out of the blue, not only voted to convict the president, but then comes with a third party run, he would steal the spotlight from Trump. Right? He would be the ones that all the media would be talking about in the next six months. And Trump would go apoplectic, right? I mean, there is nothing he hates more than not being the focus of attention. So, wow, if Romney really wanted to throw a monkey wrench into the Trump's program, it would be to run a third-party candidacy. Again, he's probably not going to do that. That's my, you know, wishful dreaming. But, you know, we all can dream. Anyway, big props to Mitt Romney. You know, I am a reality-based analyst and participant in in American politics. And what Romney did was big and deserves praise. And again, in my larger theme that it's the ideologies that are irredeemable, not the individuals, we have to give opportunity for people who we disagreed with and who maybe were dishonest and craven in the past to redeem themselves. And, And Mitt Romney began that path this, you know, past week in voting to convict the president couple last points here, uh, and then, you know, we'll get on to the theme here, uh, uh, the, the major theme of this podcast, which is, again, I've seen more and more after this acquittal, people using the word cult to describe the GOP. And more and more that's entering the mainstream. And I just want to throw out there, again, not to kind of pat myself on the back, but I came up with this kind of description of the GOP a couple years ago, right when the podcast launched, that the GOP is a white grievance cult in the service of plutocracy. And I'm sure I wasn't the first individual in America to call the GOP a cult, but I was one of the first, and especially one of the first to kind of put it out there into the popular discourse. And it is incredibly gratifying to see whether they heard it through this podcast or not, that people are coming to grips with the fact that one of the two major political parties 
operates more like a cult than a real party. It's, uh, you know, we have to diagnose the problem before we can solve it. And it's good to see more and more people coming around. So on to the theme here. Uh, the theme here is unity. It's obviously obvious why we need unity. This is a serious, serious moment in our society, in our history that's coming up. And so after the break, I'll talk about, you know, the larger purpose of democratic unity and, and kind of the, by the numbers here. And then I'll get into my analysis of the New Hampshire and, and Iowa primaries, not because I'm into the horse race politics, but kind of as a pep talk for the Democratic coalition. So all of that after the break. Okay, so on to the theme here, Unity 2020. So here's the reality, people. The reality is, is that the GOP won the presidential contest in 2016 after losing 3 million in the popular vote, right? So in any other democracy in the world, it would have been a pretty crushing victory by Hillary Clinton. But in our rigged white supremacist electoral college system, the person who wins three million more votes can win the presidency. And Donald Trump did that by amassing a total of 80,000 votes across three states. Razor, razor thin margins, right? This is after crushing electoral victories by Obama in 2008 and 2012 where he won the largest popular vote totals in American history. He won crushing electoral victories. And then uh, because Hillary Clinton was so hated, because the media was so craven, giving billions of dollars of free airtime to Trump for even relatively decent mainstream publications like the New York Times and Washington Post, just writing absurd stories over and over again about her email scandals, about coming out the week before the election saying the FBI had reopened the case when there was nothing there. And, and you know, in fact, a lot of people have said that was probably pushed the edge, right? And all of this, and she still won 3 million more votes, but in again, in the rigged electoral college system, Trump sneaked through with this razor-thin margin. So that's the reality. Here's the other reality. If Trump was to get exactly the same vote share as he did in 2016, he would lose because so many of his voters will have died in between 2016 and 2020. He has the old, angry white vote locked down. A lot of those people, just basic actuarial tables, have passed away and so he has to actually increase his base. He has to increase that. Maybe he will. We will see in November. But my guess is he is an incredibly weak candidate. Now, what does he have going for him? He has a relatively strong U.S. economy. He hasn't fucked up this economy as bad as many people thought. He 
you know, juiced it with this hundreds of billions in tax cuts for the rich, which even though the rich don't spend as much money as you and I, certainly juiced the economy a little. Um, you know, he has basically continued on the Obama economy. He's cut a lot of regulations that are good for health and safety and the public good. But in the short term, by cutting those regulations, he has, again, juiced the economy a little. Not in a sensible way, not in a sane way, but in a way that gets you some, you know, numbers. All that being said, all of the GOP predictions of what would happen under a Trump presidency have come out to be false, right? They predicted 3 to 4% economic growth. We're nowhere near that. We're in the low 2%. So basically, it's the Obama economy going forward that he didn't fuck up badly enough. So any president probably would be uh, experiencing these GDP and employment numbers. But in fact, somebody who had been more strategic and uh, you know did a more targeted economic program for the middle and lower class would actually be seeing better numbers. But all that being said, the economy is reasonably well off. The stock market has performed reasonably well, which you'd expect when you cut corporate taxes. Stocks go up because profits go up. So none of this is rocket science. Um, And again, the bar being so low that, you know, everyone thought Trump was going to fuck up the economy so bad and he didn't. So that means he gets credit, right? Again, this real bigotry of low expectations uh, that we that we have in modern America. But all that being said, if it was any normal president, he would probably be uh, racing to a pretty easy reelection because the economy is reasonably well. You dig a little deeper, though, under that. Most of these jobs are low paying jobs with bad benefits. Most people are not super happy with their jobs. Uh, Many of the wage increases have been very, very small. And the areas where they're increasing faster is ironically because of Democrats who passed minimum wage laws. Right. So even in the places where, you know, the the, the low income groups are improving has nothing to do with the GOP or Trump, but in fact, Democratic policy. So Trump is in a historically weak position given the economy. Right. So, again, any other president, we didn't have a racist lunatic as president, they would be coasting to re-election. So we have a huge opportunity to win, right? And to get America back on track because I don't want to talk about what another four years of Trump would look like. You can pretty much guess. uh, And uh, it's all bad, right? All bad down the line. So we can win. How do we win? We get more of our people to the polls in November than they do. How do we do that? Unity, right? Most Democratic candidates agree on 90, 95% of stuff. So let's even take the most extreme differences. Bernie, the Democratic Socialist who wants free college and Medicare for all, and Joe Biden or Amy Klobuchar, the centrist moderates, okay? They all want climate policy. They all want to improve the minimum wage. They all want to uh, nominate, you know, pro-choice, sensible justices to the courts, right? They all want to improve health care and have a goal of universal health care. They all want to, you know, um, make sure the financial industry does not go crazy and that the Dodd-Frank bill uh, is maintained to, to rein in Wall Street. So the point being is all of these debates 
between the Democrats are really ridiculous. The Democrats are so close in ideology that even the ones at the farthest end of the spectrum, the Biden and the Sanders, are actually really close. Where's the big difference? Every Democrat and Trump, right? Every Democrat is a million times better than Donald Trump, right? But yet we fight amongst ourselves and we, we do the divide and conquer playbook and, and then we are, you know, we're weakened for the general election. We cannot let that happen this time. That cannot happen, right? So many people voted for third parties because they didn't like Hillary. Well, you know what? Sorry, people, but voting for that third party protest vote and letting Trump become president, that was a bad decision. That was a, a, an off-the-cuff kind of you know, decision that you made, and it was just not good for society. So even though the election system is rigged in favor of the Republicans, right? Remember, Republicans project their evils, their insecurities, their depravity on the rest of society. So they're going crazy saying that the, de- that the Democrats cheat, right? It w- it's the Republicans that cheat. It's the Republicans that suppress votes. It's the Republicans that have a rigged system in their favor. So all of that being said, what November is going to be, it is going to be a raw show of force of political mobilization. If we can get the Obama coalition back together, we can stitch it back together, right? Educated people, um, people of color, um, working class people, a large, uh, large showing from African-American communities across the country, right? This is a winning coalition, right? Obama crushed John McCain. Obama crushed Mitt Romney, right? So this coalition can get, you know, can win on basically any candidate if we stitch it back together. And how do we do that? Uh, it is unity, right? The, the reality is, putting aside 2016, we can't go back and undo that. But American society failed, All of the key guardrails of America failed, and we let this lunatic white supremacist to power. So in 2020, the question is, is the American political system, is the American mainstream society going to let this evil and insanity stand and in fact empower it because a second term of Donald Trump unchecked uh, is really a, a terrible thing to contemplate, right? So I think, you know, I'm going to just keep beating this drum of unity, 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 that we're all in this together uh, more and more. Uh, But after the break, I want to come back with some analysis for, you know, what happened in Iowa and New Hampshire and what that bodes going forward for the Democratic nominee. Okay, so now let's talk about the Iowa caucus results, or lack thereof, and what happened in New Hampshire uh, this week as well. 
So obviously Iowa was a complete fucking disaster and debacle and embarrassment for the Democratic Party. Fortunately, in this case, uh, American memory is short and it's now in the rearview mirror. It seems like Pete Buttigieg and Bernie were pretty much tied. Uh, and so, you know, it's not like there was one huge blowout and that person didn't get the bump that maybe they deserved. So all that being said, it's in the rearview mirror. And the only good thing to come out of that debacle is that hopefully we will get rid of caucuses altogether. They're an absurd anachronism and ultimately undemocratic. And so maybe that's the silver lining that we can just get rid of caucuses altogether. Moving on to the more important results um, from uh, yesterday, uh, the New Hampshire results, Bernie prevailed, uh, not a huge margin of victory. In fact, just a little over a point over Pete Buttigieg. Uh, but what I really like about this result is that we have the top three are Bernie, Pete, and then Amy Klobuchar. And clearly, if there was one kind of more moderate, middle-of-the-road person challenging Bernie, Bernie would probably be losing, right? So, you know, right now the Pete and Amy wing is about 50% and Bernie's about 25. But as long as it's fragment, fragmented, Bernie uh, might be able to pull it out. And what I like is I like all three of these candidates. I'm pretty much in the anybody but Joe camp as much as Joe Biden's kind of reason for being in the race has been that he's the one that best beat Trump in these national polls. I think that's absolute bullshit. I think Joe Biden would get absolutely destroyed by Trump. Uh, he's just a horrible candidate, no energy, no excitement. And, you know, obviously what his son Hunter Biden did with the Burisma thing is not even in the realm of corruption that Trump and his cronies are doing on a daily basis, but it just smells bad. And Joe just has a lot of baggage and I think he would really get crushed. So I'm pretty much in the anybody but Joe camp. And so the fact that he's getting crushed is great news. And I think any of the top three candidates could beat Trump. There's a lot of hand-wringing about Bernie and all this. And look, he wasn't my first choice last time. I actually voted for Hillary Clinton in the primaries. But um, I'm happy to get on board the Bernie train if he wins. If he pulls it out, that shows that he, you know, he has the dedicated support. And it's going to be tough for him, though, because we're getting into more diverse states. And there's going to be a lot of impetus, I think, for the alternatives to Bernie to kind of rally around an individual and whether that's Pete or Amy I like both of them I think both of them would be great candidates I come kind of maybe a little biased towards Amy because I'd like a woman at the top of the ticket but the bottom line is we have good candidates and I think all the hand-wringing people should relax Trump is going to be formidable they're going to be cheating like you've never seen before in probably modern American history the zombie hordes are going to come out to support their cult leader. And the economy is reasonably good, right? It's not a horrible economy. We're at peacetime. There's no war. So the incumbent has an advantage. But I think our candidates are strong. And I think the VP picks are going to matter a lot. I think there's some outstanding VP picks too. And, uh, you know, I just think 
you know, I'll get into it a little bit more, maybe as as the, the candidates get narrowed down a little bit further. But yeah, I think it's pretty wide open now. And again, I don't pay attention to polls at all. All the only polls that matter are the polls on election day. So, you know, I'll chime in when we actually have real results. I'm never going to talk about, you know, just hypothetical polls because I think they're, they're, they're basically meaningless. But I think uh, the Democratic side, we should feel good. We should be energized. And all the stuff in the media about how the Democrats are divided and blah, blah, blah. Just ignore that. It's just nonsense. And uh, we got plenty of time to rally around a candidate. Uh, so after that, I'll come back uh, with some anecdotes in a moment. Our country is in the middle of an extreme crisis. I'd say there's a tale of two Americas here. The great divide that exists in this country. All you ever hear is how different we are. But whether you're black or white, old or young, left or right, we all dislike so many of the same things. We all hate Brits, jeans. We all hate these who follow us around. We hate the time and bubble in a text message, but we hate it even more when it's gone. Oh, come on, man, what were you going to say? We hate soft apples. Nope. And child actors who speak like adults. So blessed. And when a man kneels down at your table, like he's a goddamn football coach. Y'all hungry? Barcelona is such an amazing place. Okay, so on to the antidotes here for today. As you can imagine, this is pretty simple, and it's always been simple, right? American politics is not complicated. It's just basics, right? It's just basic political mobilization. And with unity as the theme here, right, most people who are, you know, hardcore Democrats or even, you know, moderately enthused Democrats are going to be disappointed with the Democratic nominee because it's not their first choice. That's what happens when you have 20, 20 candidates and they're each at, you know, 5, 10, 20 percent. Uh, you, you, you know, you're going to have the overwhelming majority of people not getting their first choice. That's fine. That's democracy. That's what, you know, that's what the game is all about. The, the first thing is, is to be upset for, you know, a few minutes, an hour when your favorite candidate drops out uh, and then move on. Right. Pledge to strongly, you know, enthusiastically uh, support the Democratic nominee. And from there on, go on to the details here. Right. We got to register voters. So you can either give money to voter registration organizations or you can go out there and register voters yourself. You can help to mobilize voters through writing letters, text messages, just all these organizations from Vote Forward to Swing Left to the actual Democratic National Committee. You can go to the states and help register voters where it's most important. Again, sadly, a small number of states, particularly those in the upper Midwest, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, these are the key states. You can go there physically. You can go register voters and mobilize people. Clearly, this is going to make a lot more, have a lot more power and salience as we get closer to the election. So maybe plan a trip to one of these states on a weekend in October or early November when the election is and, and drive people to the polls. You know, go and be an election monitor. Make sure there's no funny business that the right wing is not trying to suppress votes. Right. The point I want to just say here is don't leave anything in reserve this time around. Right. 
You just don't leave anything in the bank. Put it all on the table. Put the cards on the table because it doesn't get bigger than this. Right? We keep saying every election is the most important in your life. Well, as the stakes get bigger, uh, it really is true. So this 2020 election is the most important election of your lifetime. No matter how old you are, this is the most important election. It doesn't get bigger than this. So don't leave anything on the table. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Stitcher. Share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. And uh, with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care.